Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Hamm, and I am joined today by Bryce Bennett out of Missoula and uh, actually made the lovely drive over here. I'm the past is ugly. <laughs> so I can't imagine what you guys had to do when you were like, we're going home for the weekend to regain sanity last year. And then looked at the past and thought, well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was bad a lot of the times. I remember uh, a couple times where I would be coming down the coming down the pass and uh, I lost like traction of my car and I actually like spun into a ditch and that happened like twice I think uh, which is kind of scary it's like spitting in circles in the middle of an interstate yeah uh, that would be a fun day at the house and we're going to have a moment of silence we've lost price <laughs> yeah, exactly but it was often worth it to to step away back to the sanity of Missoula <laughs> uh, I, I know there's a lot of people in the state that like sanity of Missoula but no it's nice to be back home around friends and people that share your values every now and then. Oh, I'm sure. So um, you are the first of the uh, incumbents that have joined us on the show. Thank you for that. Hooray. That's awesome. And uh, you are running for office again. I am, yeah. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about your real life. Um, you actually... <laughs> real life? I, I don't really... That thing that you give up uh, <laughs> as you become an adult. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, thing that happens when I'm not campaigning. Right. Um, so Tuesday, uh, November 8th this year? Uh, the 6th. 6th. So Wednesday, November 7th, you get an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. What will you do with your time? Uh, that's a... Uh, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm just a really social person, which really... Uh, has worked pretty well for the campaign. Like, whenever I think about what to do with my free time, it's always like, who could I call to hang out with? You know, whose house can I go over and play some video games? Although I much more enjoy watching people play video games and actually playing them, which is really weird. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, this whole interview is going to be a series of me totally throwing myself under the bus. Um, <laughs> well, we've lined up all the greyhounds in town. So exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it, mostly for me, it's just like, you know, going out for food or a movie or really anything. Like, I just like hanging around my friends and um, being social and that sort of stuff. That's cool. So are you getting any of that time during the campaign? I mean, I know you're taking a lot of your time for this, which I appreciate, but... Yeah, I mean... I try to set a little bit of time aside for that. I mean, just because after a while you do get a little, you know, uh, crazy if you just continue to do nothing but campaigning. Um, you know, and as much as I like knocking doors, and I really do, that's not a that's not a lie. Um, you you need some time where you can just like zone out, sit back, watch some TV, check out some YouTube videos, hang out with your friends, and and just take a little time to reboot so that you can do another week yeah um so you're coming at this you've you obviously you're not going to be a freshman this next year you're not going to have any of that uh i don't know what's going on but you know what can happen when things go disastrously wrong you decided mm-hmm. to run a campaign again mm-hmm. what's different about your campaign i i feel like i just i know a bit much or i know a bit more than i than I started with last time. Um, starting out during the last campaign, it was a whole lot of thinking that I knew a whole lot about the campaign process just because I had knocked doors for other candidates and for other causes and through work and done some fundraising. And I thought, like, I know what the, the campaign is like, and I had worked at the legislature before, so I kind of picked up on some of the, the hot-button issues. But what I found out was there is a 
whole bunch of things that happen behind the scenes of a campaign that if you're not the candidate or somebody really closely associated with the candidate, you just don't see. Um, and for me, it's really nice going into the second campaign, knowing entirely what I've gotten myself into uh, and being able to be prepared to tackle all of that. That's cool. So um, you pretty much, okay, session ended, you just decided you were going to run right then. Have you been you know, dealing with campaign stuff the entire year? Did you take a little bit of time away from it to do other things? Or? Yeah, I definitely took some time away from it. I mean, I, I think that anybody who watched this last session knows that every one of us, uh, especially those of us in the minority, needed uh, a little bit of recouping after that, a time to remind ourselves that that's not what the reality of Montana is like. You know, we don't have to deal with spear hunting every single day uh, in the real world. <laughs> but, um, oh, perfect. Yeah, I, but I, I definitely took some time. Uh, I've, I've had to get reinvested back in the work that I do uh, during my day job, uh, which has certainly been a big investment of my time as well. And, and then, you know, I... I as soon as the session was over, I, I was so eager to get out that I, I called some of my friends in Seattle, and I, I packed everything up during the daytime before we went to session on the last day, assuming it was going to be the last day. We weren't sure. Uh, we finished that day, like immediately after the session was done, I drove back to Missoula. The next morning, uh, at about 6 in the morning, I hit the road to Seattle. <laughs> so not only did I leave, leave Helena as soon as session was over... I left the state. I went through a couple of state boundaries just to try to get out of it for a couple of days and, and rest my it. mind. Cool. So you've been in politics for quite a while. Like you said, you worked with other campaigns. You did some door knocking. An old soul. An, an old soul. <laughs> if, you, if he comes to your door, he does have a cane. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> true. Don't judge me. Um, did you know as a kid that you were going to be involved in politics? or? Oh, no way. So what were you like in, like in high school? I don't know, big jock? You know, <laughs> no, I definitely was not. I, I played YMCA soccer, uh, and I think that was pretty much the entirety of my, my sports career, and I think I was 10 or 11 or something like that, because everybody else was doing it, so had to do it. Um, like in high school, I was uh, in band and choir and drama, so I was one of those artsy kids. I was definitely not a jock. Um, I, I kind of, at times, was allowed to hang out with the cool kids, but I definitely much more hung out with a lot of my friends uh, who I knew from those different departments. Um, I mean, that's what I, I really enjoyed. Actually, when I my first semester in college, uh, I was in school to be a music education teacher. Oh, at U of M? Uh, at the University of Montana. Uh, and then I quickly found out I wasn't very good. Uh, and they let me know that. Uh, and then I went to communication studies. <laughs> and then I, I really started investing in politics. Even though, even when I was uh, thinking about music, I was still very interested in politics. That kind of started for me when I was in, like, a senior in high school or so. And what, did you, what was your first exposure to politics? What did you do? Um... Senior in high school. Think back. I'm, yeah, I know. I need a sound effect for it. I need a doo 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 Let's see here. I have to get a soundboard. You know, uh, I'm trying to think here, and I now that I think about it, maybe I wasn't a senior in high school because I remember watching really closely the uh, the Gore versus Bush election, and I would be a sophomore for that. Um, 
And I remember that was kind of the first time that I really started noticing politics, like watching some of those debates, seeing some of the commercials on TV. As I recall, that was uh, the year that uh, Mark O'Keefe was running and Nancy Keenan was also running that year. I wasn't back in Montana. I want to say that's true. (laughs) Political historians, you may have to correct me later. But I want to say that I remember uh, a bunch of commercials for all of those candidates uh, running in Montana and seeing a bit about Al Gore as well. And that's really how I found out that I was a Democrat was watching those commercials because I would see, you know, Nancy Keenan come on and say something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really agree with that. I definitely like what she's saying. And then Marco Keefe would come on. I'm like, yeah, I really like what he's saying. And I'd read about Al Gore. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that. And then, you know, I would... The George Bush commercial would come on. And I was like, oh, no! (laughs) No, I don't know. Uh, But I remember, like, not knowing anything about politics. I didn't know anything about, like, what the two parties were. Looked it up. All the candidates that I really liked their ideas were Democrats. And I was like, I'm probably a Democrat. That makes sense. And the more I found out, the more I liked. And so you kind of embraced the crowd... And then went into communications in college, and and, and then um, I started to get involved with different groups on campus. Uh, I joined uh, the College Democrats early on. I think I was a, I think it was a, my freshman year, and you know I, I'm one of those people that like likes to get really involved in whatever I do. Um, so when I got involved with the College Dems. It immediately went to, like, I'm this freshman who comes in, and they're like, I want you to be on this advisory board in the college Dems. And then I was the vice president of the local Dems. And then by my junior year, I became the state president of the Montana College Democrats. So it's just, like, that seems to be the way it always is. Like, I mean, and I'm... So so basically it was, here's the deep end of the pool. You probably don't... Oh, you don't right now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You need help over there? No? All right. Just keep going, buddy. Good deal. So then you graduated, you'd worked on a couple of campaigns? Yeah, uh, in college, uh, over the summer of 2006, I got contacted by Monica and Dean's campaign to be her Western Montana organizer. This was shortly after I became state president of the College Dems, um, and I guess they had heard a little bit about me. This was when she was running for Congress against Denny Reberg. Um, so I... I'd never really been a field organizer before, something that I ended up doing a whole bunch in the future. I had knocked some doors for Montpurg for their summer canvas working against uh, I-147, I think it was, uh, cyanide leach mining, mm. which the last legislature thought was a really good idea to bring back up again. Uh, as it turns out, it was not. Uh, <laughs> so but We'll get into more of their wonderful, <coughs> wonderful ideas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I... Uh, I went over to Billings, interviewed uh, with Monica. I was super, super nervous, and they gave me the job, and I ended up traveling all over Western Montana to be her Western Montana organizer, and it was was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience. Very cool. Um, Unfortunately, her campaign was not successful. It wasn't, but it was definitely one of the... We did did a lot better than a a number of the other attempts to take out Reberg uh, than a number of over a couple of other years. I think that we may still have been the, the strongest campaign uh, against him outside of Nancy Keenan, who, who took him very much to the limit. Yeah. Um, Denny's an interesting character. <laughs> <laughs> so after running that campaign, how long between that and when you decided to run? Because I, what I don't know is, was your successful campaign the Deep Hill Northern Legislature your first political campaign? Yes. 
the first time I ever ran for any sort of public office, I mean, I'd, I'd run for, like, you know, a uh, student government here at UM and that sort of stuff, and for offices within student groups. But the first time I ran for, like, actual public office was in 2010, uh, and that was three years after I had graduated. So I had worked on a number of different things. Um, after I graduated, I, I worked in 2007 through 2008 for the Democratic National Committee, uh, for the National Democratic Party, and a lot of it was like working with the local central committees to get them all set up and prepared for the exciting year ahead that was 2008. Uh, and then when Barack Obama became the nominee, they sort of tossed us over to the Obama campaign and um, just kept working and, and trying to get him elected here in Montana. Very cool. Uh, did he carry Montana? He, he didn't. He lost by 2.5%. I mean, very, very, very close. I mean, the closest uh, a Democrat has, has come to winning in a long time. I mean, Bill Clinton won Montana in 92 with a healthy, you know, bit of help from Ross Perot, who took about 30% of the vote. Right. So, um, very interesting. So then you, after that, you've joined the organization you work with currently? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, the timeline here. Well, I, I work for a group called Ford Montana, uh, and I was actually a Ford Montana original board member when we first started in 2004. So I, I helped them in the very early days when we were a bunch of college kids sitting on a, on a couch in one of our friends' little houses down by Kiwanis Park talking about, you know, we're really upset that nobody thinks that young people care about politics, that nobody thinks that young people vote, nobody thinks that young people can have a voice in this process. So we decided to put together this group, and because of it, you know, it's something that's grown ever since, and, you know, I've been involved in different ways, you know, I, I kind of stepped out of it for a while, they got staff, and then later on, after uh, I got done with a number of things, I joined their staff, and I've been there ever since since 2009 and, September 2009 and the big point of this organization is registering people to vote that's, uh, that's, a, that's a big piece of it I mean our big goal is engaging young people in the political process more than anything and registering people to vote is a big piece of that I mean we also get young people to pledge to vote which is where they sign a little card saying in 2012 I'm going to vote uh, Do you ever think they're signing an abstinence card? I, just <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I don't, promise you, to never uh, use. Wait a minute. Like voting, voting. What? Uh, can I just sign the not using drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, and then what we do is we we mail that back to them uh, close to election day, and then they get to see their actual signature on there. And it's been proven scientifically that it actually has a big effect on people, and it boosts. Uh, turnout among the election. Big brother is watching. Get your ass to the poll. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you should, I mean, that's the that's the tame version of it. You should see what some of these other groups do. I mean, they, you know, they they. I've seen other groups send out lists of everybody that's registered, like uh, in the area around them, and they're like, we know that everybody here is registered to vote. After the election, we're going to send a list to everybody in the community of who votes and who doesn't vote, and you want your name to be on the who voted list. We haven't done this, but I've seen, I've, I've heard of other groups doing that. And I mean, it's like... That's an interesting idea. Like, I... It's a lot of peer Aust pressure. Yeah, well, in Australia, they have the... You don't have the right to vote. You have the obligation to vote. Yeah, actually, you pay a fine if you don't right. vote. And I almost think that we should institute that here, but then I've met so many, so many people. I, you know, you're not voting? Okay. 
<clears throat> yeah, I so, mean, you know, in America, there's a balance between, you know, something that is fundamental to our democracy and we want people to vote, but at the same time, you want people to have that individual freedom to decide for themselves right. if they vote. And, you know, I would love it if more people voted. I think that's the ideal. You know, we want to see higher turnout no matter who you're voting for because I think it's more representative. Uh, and certainly demographics like young people who traditionally have voted in lower numbers, uh, we really want to see those numbers boost up because young people have a lot to say. True. And really, the future belongs to them. That's true. They're the ones going to be around. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I'm not. I'm done with this place. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got into the, the legislature. Congratulations on your win last time. Thank um, you. Although, I don't know the congratulations or condolences, maybe, after <laughs> everything went. Um, so you get in there, and the successful bill that you had was actually related to voter registration. Yeah. It was House Bill 330. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. And um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, House Bill 330, uh, a bill I was very, very happy to carry, and, and one that I was even more happy to see signed into law, uh, is based on a program that Missoula County and Yellowstone County had been doing previously. Uh, right, right now, well, previously, before this bill, uh, to register to vote, it was about a page-long form that you had to fill out with a bunch of different details about yourself. And then if you want to be an absentee voter, you had to fill out another page-long form. And i got to tell you, as somebody who's gone out uh, and registered a whole bunch of people to vote, it's a long process to get people, well, it's a, not a long process, but a tough process trying to get people to fill out two different forms. What's much easier, what Yellowstone County, Missoula County came up with, was saying, you know, let's have the voter registration form. And at the bottom, let's just throw some checkboxes on there saying, do you want to also be an absentee voter? Uh, so now, with the passage of uh, House Bill 330, that is the registration form for the whole state, making that process much easier for everybody. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't from Montana and don't understand why this is important, one of the cool things that Montana has done over the last decade is stepped up using absentee ballots to get more people to vote. So even if you don't make it to the polling station, if you're registered as an ongoing absentee ballot, mm -hmm. you get your ballot in the mail and then you can fill it out and send it in or drop it off at the post office or mm -hmm. the voting centers as long as it's going to get there on time. And your vote will be counted. It's a very cool program, and it has improved voter turnout, I think. Uh, is it 10 to 15% year over year or something? Uh, something like that. I have to look at the number. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. Montana's have really embraced mail-in ballots. I mean, the number of people who are on the absentee ballot list is growing consistently year after year after year, and campaigns are using it more and more as a way to encourage people to actually go out and vote. And we know that absentee voters vote at a higher percentage than people who go to the polls. So I, I think that before long, Montana is going to be uh, very heavily vote-by-mail just because so many people find it to be really easy to have your ballot come a month ahead of time and it gives you time to look it over. Right, and it gives you time to look up, like, in some of the races, you don't often know who the people are because there hasn't been any time spent on them because they haven't been on the show, hint. Um, <laughs> and that's why I'm here. Exactly. We, the whole idea behind the show is to get to know the people. It's not to attack them or be left or right. Mm -hmm. um, it's to be uh, have an open discussion about what these people believe. Um, so again, that is a hint to anybody who is listening to the show and kind of waffling over whether they should be on it. <coughs> Mike Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Wink nod. <laughs> come on, um, Mike. Get off, get off the Twitter and come talk to Kevin here. Exactly. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> That's my pitch. Love uh, Mike Miller. But the uh, absentee ballot thing was interesting to me because it took 
<laughs> I love the phrase. It takes an act of Congress to get anything done. Well, it took an act of Congress to get a checkbox on the bottom of the registration form. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's the side of government that's just driving me nuts. There's so many times when it's the obviously the right thing to do and we can't do it because it literally takes a session to introduce it and get it passed. Well, the crazy thing that I just want to add real quick in here is people like, oh, yeah, that, that bill will pass so easily. They killed my bill in the Senate State Administration Committee because they were sure it was going to cause voter fraud. Um, and I had to do all sorts of you know, t- conversations with people. And I actually got uh, Senator Joe Balliot to jump over on our side uh, and join Anders Blewett and some of the Democrats on there to actually kick that bill out of committee. So, I mean, it, you know, strange bedfellows for sure. But, I mean, this process was not easy. And... Uh, Something that was really, really terrible in the last legislature was all the attacks on voting. I mean, we had so many pieces out there, uh, which is really why I'm shocked my bill passed, like a positive thing, let's make it more accessible to vote, when we have bills saying, let's get rid of same and late day voter registration, you know, let's get rid of uh, people being able to use a number of IDs to identify themselves for registering to vote and for showing up at the polls. You know, they want to say, just a Montana driver's license. Uh, you know who doesn't have a Montana driver's license? All sorts of people, a lot of minority communities. Yeah, I mean, a lot of young people don't. Uh, A lot of people in Native American community don't. You know, a lot of old people uh, who've given up driving, haven't renewed their licenses, they don't have driver's licenses. So, yeah, there there was a lot of efforts during the last session to make it harder to vote, and I'm really pleased that we were able to get through this one bill to make it just a tiny bit easier. Yeah. So we had a lot of... um, uh, What's a nice way to put it? (laughs) <laughs> crazy bills I guess yeah we had the uh, spear hunting the atlatl is that right atlatl yeah because that's you know a very big Montana tradition that we haven't had in two centuries <laughs> <laughs> since guns were introduced yeah. we haven't used the atlatl because we don't consider it humane but they had a bill for that uh-huh. um, and that went all the way through I went into the senate that started in the house and went to the senate no I started in the senate uh, uh, with Senator Hinkle uh, it was his bill and then it died in the, in the House Committee. I think they were kind of embarrassed by it, so they wanted to sweep it under the rug. And there were you know, there were many things to be embarrassed about. So you, you got into the session, uh, you got into Helena, you really didn't know what you were up against. I mean, you knew you were outnumbered. Yeah, my, my friends on election night were making the joke of, you know, when we saw that it was going to be 68-32, they said, are you sure you don't want to call your opponent and concede? <laughs> 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 so I mean, we we knew we had talked about this the you know uh, the caucus and you know a number of people who would be working up there. We we knew very much what we were getting into. It was going to be you know David versus Goliath uh, with not that much of a good outcome as David got. They they wouldn't let you use a slingshot on the floor. So <laughs> they they wouldn't maybe an atlatl, but you know died died in committee unfortunately. So we'll never know. Oh, I just have this horrible vision of several of the senators in loincloths with spears. Oh, that's... Uh, We're that's moving a, on from that. It's not a great just, visual. Just don't, is... don't put that in your head. Uh, and if you do, I'm sorry for the therapy that I just <laughs> caused you. So you got in there, you had several bills. The only one that passed, obviously, was 330. Mm-hmm. And lots of other bills died in committee, you know, just were stomped on. And then mm-hmm. you had to deal with these crazy bills coming from the other side. And your voice was very easily smothered by that. Uh, how did that work out for you? I mean, 
what was that like knowing that you you went there to be a voice for this this area of Missoula and mm-hmm. you were basically attacked for being from Missoula as well as being ignored and ignoring all of the people that you represent you know how did you deal with that absolutely I mean that was that was one of the biggest hurdles to get over but something that you just sort of expected after a while I mean the reality is in a 6832 legislature they can pass whatever they want without us I mean they don't need us at all they have the votes in committee they have the votes on the floor I mean even to override a governor's veto you need two-thirds and we were you know two votes shy of stopping that so you know the reality was that we we really couldn't stop much of what they did I mean there was a couple of moments where the party was fractured in a summer ways I mean there was some issues. Their party or your party? Uh, their party. No, their party we were was we were the fighting thirty two. <laughs> There's. I mean, there was talk uh, in legislatures past about the fighting forty nine and how close they were, but I got to tell you, the fighting thirty two, we were, we were a strong group. We held together. We were a committed group, and it was great because we were people from all sorts of different places around Montana. I mean, you've got people from tribal reservations, people from Missoula. We got Bill McChesney from Miles City, Billings, all the other you know areas around Montana, and yet because we knew that if we weren't a united voice, we would have no voice. We decided to work together uh, and make sure that we were pushing forward a, a united front, and we did that very well. And I was so proud to be part of that group. Very cool. So you uh, halfway through the season. Oh, let's talk about Twitter. Twitter. Uh. So you were one of the first of the legislators to uh-huh. join Twitter, and um, you have the public account that Bryce Bennett is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that everybody can view and see and join and watch. And, Follow me uh, by all means, and there will be a link in the show notes. And uh, and Bryce is spelled with a Y. If you're just looking it up now. Um, that kind of took off in an interesting way this session, especially it was about two weeks in. Ellie had come up with the empty ledge. I'm informed that I've been pronouncing it wrong by Marnie. Um, what did she say? I, empty I say, leg? I, I say empty leg because I can read and there's no D <laughs> in there. <laughs> Which, you know, fair, fair enough, fair enough. It's English, whatever. Yeah. Um, but so the empty ledge. Uh, hashtag came into play and mm-hmm. it became a really interesting communication tool that had never been seen before of course because Twitter really wasn't it was around the last session but it certainly wasn't popular enough mm-hmm. to have broken out the way it did how did that affect or how do you feel that affected your ability to not only represent your people but communicate with them I loved using Twitter during the legislature and, and we definitely got some pushback from some of the old guard who uh, didn't really like us to be pushing out our individual messages. They kind of like the individual, the more traditional. You know, we put out a press release. It's sent to the media. The media comes and we have interviews and that sort of thing. But I mean, and this, this would be old guard in the on the Democrat side, or yeah, old yeah, guard on just the the Luddites. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, people who'd been uh, in the you know in the legislature for a while who were more used to kind of the more traditional ways. I mean, they never really said, don't do Twitter, we hate it. But, you know, it, it was definitely something like, I don't know, you know, there was a lot of, you know, trepidation, I would say, about the use of Twitter. But I was I was really happy, I mean, both, you know, on both sides to see how prolific it became because 
there would be you know, debates on the House floor with the person with the microphone, but then there would be this underground debate happening between all the people on Twitter. I mean, you could see a little uh, follow the hashtag, and not only would it be legislators going back and forth, I'd say, oh, I really think this is a terrible bill, which I had to say a lot. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you know, you'd, you'd get you know, uh, Mike Miller and Derek Skees and uh, McGilvery, I think, was, was on there as well. Uh, I don't think he tweeted too often, but he was on there. Um, and, and a couple other people, uh, Christy Clark uh, started mm-hmm. jumping on there as well, you know, Ellie on our side, and um, uh, Michelle Reinhardt, and a, a number of other people. And then on top of that, you have people from the community, you know, right. people who are from the outside, you know, I'm from Missoula, and I think this, I'm from, you know, uh, uh, Wolf Point, and I think this, and, you know, it was so interesting to see, like, a, a statewide forum happening around every single debate because people that weren't at the legislature could tune in on the uh, on the computer stations or on uh, the MT television I forget what it's called uh, Channel 11 in Helena it's like, Channel 11 in Helena I think <laughs> I is the name of it um, but yeah it, it was so interesting to see that, that dialogue going on and, and back to your question as I continue to talk and talk and talk um it was a great tool for me because I, I felt like as I was reading the newspapers around the state, we just weren't getting out everything that was going on in the session. And there was plenty of information put out there about all the terrible things that were going through the legislature. But the reality was that there was so much going on that they only had so much that they could print. So I wanted to make sure that people knew back home that, you know, bill by bill, what was actually happening, you know, what was being debated on the House floor so people knew what was at stake. Right. Um, one of the things that I found that was very interesting about it, and I touched on this with Marne, was that even though I'm in Helena and I'm kind of, you know, I'm lucky with, I can go to the legislature if there's something I feel I need to talk on. Yeah. Um, what Twitter gave me was the ability to not have to go because I knew somebody else had it covered, and there wouldn't be time for me anyway, so I could go and show my support in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made life a little bit more efficient during the session for me, even though the session was still just as much of a cluster. It was delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wonder if they're going to put up like big screens on Twitter so we can just have tweet, <laughs> have TweetDeck on like four screens in front of everybody so they can see what's going on and what you know. Just follow the hashtags and. Wouldn't that be so interesting if it, they if they projected be. it like down the rotunda or something like just uh, or or even in the lobbyist row or, or really anywhere around the cap, uh, capital just to kind of get a glance of like what's going on in those different ways and yeah. and the interesting piece is I'll be very interested to see if Twitter has such a strong role in the next legislature. I mean, Twitter's still very popular, very strong. I wonder if more people are going to use it if it's going to become kind of. Uh, a past tense thing by that point if people don't want to use it anymore it'll be it'd be very interesting to see what social media looks like in the way that we interact with people during the next session it will be um so you have a twitter you also have your facebook page i do um because everybody has a facebook page yeah uh, and that is uh facebook.com slash rice bennett with a y yes very two t's <laughs> i get i get that all the time just the one and uh now how is your campaign going this year? Very well. So, oh, great. We're done. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, the, the campaign's going well. Uh, you know, we're doing some fundraising, you know, meeting with people, getting everything kind of put together for when we can go out and start knocking doors. And 
you know, that's the part that I'm most excited for. You do have to do some prep work for it so that you can get the literature out, so that you can get the walk list and all that sort of stuff so you're prepared to be an effective door knocker uh, and that sort of stuff is... Where's, what does that entail? I've never knocked doors other than to like go over and tell them their dog is barking or something. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I am the worst campaigner in the world. I will send emails, I will call people, and I will talk to them in person, but I will not knock on their doors. Like the like the prep work to, to yeah, knock on doors? What do you, you know, tell us about what you do to get people ready to go to knock on doors, or what do you do to go knock on them yourself? Yeah, uh, let me see here. Well, Those I mean, let's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> use my hand here. I, I think that, I mean, the first big thing that you want to do is have literature, you know, something that, you know, has a little bio about you or what you want to do, or, I mean, something that you can actually hand out to people. And to do that, you have to raise a bunch of money ahead of time to pay for it, because I can tell you that big box literature, because you're going to go through thousands and thousands and thousands of these pieces, is not cheap. Um, so you have to do that. You have to do a lot of the early fundraising. And the literature is really important because if you go to doors, you're going to find out as a candidate or a volunteer or anything like that, that a lot of people aren't going to be home. And for those people, it's really ineffective if you go out there and knock on their door and they're not home. And then you go on the next door and they never knew that you were there. They never knew that you made the effort to reach out to them. So you want to be able to leave them something behind. So that's really important to have literature. I mean, also, you know, the Democrats have our voter database, Republicans have theirs. And we use, you know, those little voter databases to build little lists of, of voters so that we know who we're talking to when we go to each door. You know, instead of going, hello, neighbor, you can actually say, hi, Betsy, you know, and you know who oh, Betsy see, I would is. I that was creepy. <laughs> Be like, uh, how do you know my, is you, that a camera? You know, there's a few people that say, well, how do, how do you know who I am? And, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, it's just, you know, it's a list of registered voters. It's just public knowledge. Um, and that's easy. I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, but most people that are, you know, you're like, oh, hi, are you Betsy? And they go, oh, yeah, I am. Uh, and, you know, they're ready to chat. So that's great. That's cool. So how many volunteers do you have for your campaign? Oh, like a million. <laughs> <laughs> Every, oh, everything oh, you oh, ask oh. about the campaign, I'm like, it's great. I have a million volunteers. We have a billion dollars raised. Uh, you know, I, Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I'm running for president next week because I can. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not old enough to run for president. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a youth-ish. Ish. Are you even old? You're old enough to run for the House. I could run for the U.S. House now. Uh, and then when I'm 30, I could run for the Senate. So I think that... Um, remind me of the question. <laughs> well, the, 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 the volunteers. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a number of, of people who help me out with a couple different things. I have people who help me with the finances, people who help me with designing the literature. Uh, I mean, people who will help me with knocking doors and making calls and all that sort of stuff. It's hard to put a, a number on it just because, I mean, I don't have, like, people who are structured, like, every single week they come in and volunteer, especially early on. Right. You know, there's just... The reality behind it is there's just not that much to do at this point outside of like what the candidate's doing. Like I just have to raise a bunch of money so right. that I can start the process of knocking and, doors. And raising money has, has gone well. You've got your Act Blue account, mm -hmm. yes, and that I guess how the other week did I look it up the other day? Mm -hmm. I was either looking at yours or Eddie's. Um, and <laughs> We're interchangeable. Yeah, apparently. well, no, it was it was one of those. It's all blue. I just you know, <coughs> it, it, all looks it is the very same. blue. 
It I'm is like, very blue. I, I, I wanted to talk to them about their website because I'm like, please put some more identifiers on there because I can't remember who I'm at. <laughs> well, mine is the picture of me. Good for, for the record. So. Which, you know, all those people who are listening at home, he looks like his voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, it will say Bryce Bennett, so that will be a hint. Right. Um, so you've got that in place. Uh, do you do a big fundraising event? Or? Yeah, we just had a, a fundraiser recently in the Lower Rattlesnake with uh, one of my good friends. We had a great turnout. Um, yeah, that's, that's a piece of, of the way that we do the fundraising. The reality behind it is a lot more just calling people and asking them to, to send money just because people are busy, you know, right. trying to get them to come to a fundraiser and then getting all the food for it and drinks and setting up a venue. It's a, it's a complicated process. It's so much easier for me to just sit down at a desk, focus in, and call a whole bunch of people and tell them why it's important that they invest in this race. Cool. And uh, so you're hoping to at least even out the odds in the House this year, which mm-hmm. I don't think will be too hard, and maybe even gain leadership. Um, the Democrats have a very strong candidate for governor. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that could really change the balance of things, and we could actually get back to the business that the legislature was originally sent there for. I hope so. So what's on your agenda this next session? Because we're just going to presume that you're winning. That's um, what happens. Well, I hope so. Thank you for your, your presuming. I appreciate it. Uh, there's a lot of things on, on my agenda. I mean, a bit of it is you know, just trying to restore a bit of people's trust back in the legislature from what we saw last time. I mean, everybody kind of... Let's not hope for miracles. What are you <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of bad done during the last legislature. You know, the people in my district, after talking with thousands and thousands of them, you know, tell me over and over again that the things that they really value are things like protecting our environment for future generations. I mean, and that doesn't mean that we don't, you know, have some development and we don't have some logging because those things make sense. Um, do it in a responsible way because the reality right, is... You can drill for oil out by Billings. It's lovely. <laughs> His words, not mine. I was born in Billings. It's a, it's a lovely city. Um, oh, you're not a native Missoulian? No. Oh, that's a- so... Answer the question, then we'll go back to your youth. <laughs> back to the youth. Uh, but no, um, I think that the environment's going to be very important. We, we had a lot of setbacks during the last legislature when it came to environmental protections and making sure that people do their due diligence when it comes to any sort of development, um, at, which I think is pretty much common sense. People want to make Montana keep looking like Montana. You know, I, I want to see us investing in classrooms. Uh, last time... The legislature really shorthanded our education system, made it a lot harder for teachers and for students alike, both in K-12 and then when you went to higher education. Every student across the state of Montana, uh, at least at the the two flagship schools, I I know they got 10% tuition increases. And I got to tell you... Are they getting 10% more value out of their education? They're definitely not because to make it so that they only got a 10% increase in their tuition, they had to cut a bunch of other programs to make up for the other piece. I mean, they cut $32 million out of higher education, and that is a huge deficit for our <laughs> higher education. I have a really snarky response to fix that, but that re- that's a whole different discussion. I mean, the, there's been some stuff happening. The reality uh, of our education system is that it's expensive, and year after year after year, you know, it's becoming 
more put on the backs of you know families and students to pay for college uh, as opposed to the state paying its share. I mean, uh, a number of decades ago, like when my parents were in college, the state was paying in the 60% range of higher education costs. Now they're doing in the 30% range. And because of that, higher education, which has been directly tied with more people getting jobs and better jobs, is putting further and further out of reach of people. Well, what's funny about that, um, well, not funny, haha, but ironic, <laughs> is that the more that they put the debt onto the students, the more the students are pressured to get good jobs, and there's more money outside of the state, so our biggest export is our students. Yeah. They leave to make enough money to pay off their student loans, yeah. and don't come back until they're in their 50s, and at that point, you know, they've made most of their money, we're not going to be able to tax them except for our property, and we can tax them there, that's for sure, but they're not a productive part of Montana, and yet we educated them. Because we drove them away after their education. So it's kind of this weird catch-22. The more we do this, the more we dump on them, the less likely they are to find and build jobs here in Montana. You're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's a reality. You know, as somebody who, you know, many of my peers are, are those people who have tried to look around Montana for jobs, you know, even in better times. You know, the, the good-paying jobs just have not always been in Montana. Uh, and the more we put a burden on people to pay back those student loans, the harder we make it for people to stay in Montana. And it's been really sad to see all these people have to, you know, my, my friends have to leave our state in hopes of find, finding better paying jobs. You know, that's something that I'd really like to see changed in our state. Right. And as much as, and I was one of those people who left the state because I was like, oh, I hate Montana, I have to leave. Um, but at the time, it, it was because of things in my life, not the state. Not that I can identify that at the time, but, yeah. uh, but there are a lot of people who never want to leave the state and yet are forced to because there's just nothing here for them. Uh-huh. They get a great education and they're perfectly capable of working, but the work isn't here. Yeah. And, and it won't be here if we can't build jobs and we can't build jobs if we don't keep it inexpensive enough for people to do so. So, uh, rant over. Let's go back to your youth. My youth. So you were, born, you were born in Montana. I was born in Montana. I lived in Montana my whole life. Uh, Lots never, of different parts of You never escaped other than to go to Seattle for a week after lunch. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I ever got out of the state. No, but no, I, I've lived in Montana my whole life. You know, I'm a fifth generation Montanan. You know, my, my family has been here for a long time. Ever. <laughs> Forever, roughly. Um, my, uh, let's see here, great, great, somewhere in there, maybe another great, I'm not sure, got to remember. Uh, great, great, possibly excellent. <laughs> yes, possibly excellent. Uh, grandparents uh, on my mother's side moved over from Little Island off of Scotland to Canada and then down to the, uh, the Conrad area to Homestead and have a little sheep ranch. And then, you know, we've had family there. We've had family all over the place. And, you know, but I was born in Billings and then uh, very shortly after my sister was born, who was born just uh, like a, 16 months after me, we moved east to a little town called Hysham, which... Uh, we'll get a map and link it uh, for everybody. So you can <laughs> see where this town is, the Google picture, it's one building. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very small. It's a tiny little agricultural community, and that's where I lived until I was about eight or nine or so. And then we moved over to Lolo, just south of Missoula, and I grew up there for the vast majority of my childhood, going to Lolo Elementary, then Big Sky High School, and then eventually moved to Missoula. 
to the big city. Move to the big city, just eight miles So, north. So you've lived in both halves of the state, and for those of you out of the state who don't know this, eastern Montana and western Montana are kind of contentious towards each other. Um, uh-huh. And not in an evil way. It's not like we look at each other and think, oh, you're just like North Dakota. Mm. <laughs> but we do have sort of this, no, this is good for the beast, this is better for the west. Attitude, which I've always thought was odd. Uh-huh. You know, it could have been two separate states, but it's not. And you've lived in both, mm-hmm. and so you get to the legislature, you know pretty much what it's like on both sides of town, both sides of the state, excuse yeah. me, and that, I'm sure that gives you a better perspective than some of these people that have never been outside of their town except for to go to Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think that there is some real divides between eastern Montana and western Montana. I mean, their economies are based on very different things, I mean... They look very different, you know. One is very flat, one is very mountainous. You know, there's there's a lot that divides those different you know pieces of the state, and you know I've lived in both of them. But I would say that there's a whole bunch that also unites them. I mean, we all care about, you know. <laughs> Kevin's smiling here. He's like, I don't know. No, no, no. I just thought it was a, it was a great segue, actually. <laughs> no, I but I absolutely I believe that there is so much that ties our state together. I mean, we all value. You know, having well-educated children. We all want to have good-paying jobs. I mean, there's a lot that we have in common, and it's really easy to focus on the things that we, you know, divide us. But I think that there's, a, you know, a lot of ways that we can find ourselves to bring the whole state together. Uh, really quickly, I just remembered that um, I actually carried a bill that was, I believe, uh, Senator Bob Hawks out of, um, out of Bozeman, he had a bill that was a study resolution to study about the differences between Western Montana and Eastern Montana and finding ways for them to understand each other better and work together better. And I, I carried that on the House floor, and it was a bill that was uh, bipartisanly supported. It was a big bill that was very much supported by President Peterson, you know, the Republican leader of the Senate. So you know, I, I think that people really want to see us bridge that divide. Well, we do. Um, on both, you know, both the east and west of Montana, it's funny because, you know, we're all still Montanans and we'll fight with each other, but if anybody else attacks us, haha, we are Montanans. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so we do have that uniting force, that uniting tendency of ours. And we'd like to see that more in the legislature. It'd mm-hmm. be, it'd be uh, different. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're headed back. You've got a lot of plans on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you're headed back. I'm, you know, I get Fingers you. crossed. But uh, what what else do you have planned? Uh, you know, the campaign obviously is taking up; an, it's mm-hmm. an extra full time job. Yeah, and you've got your full time job getting people registered to mm-hmm. vote and educated about the vote and getting out the vote and working with the Democrats, and then you've got events going on all over the place. Well, what other free time do you have now? <laughs> <laughs> not not much. That's very true. Yeah, I, I I take every little bit of you know, respite that I can for the time being because it, it's not going to exist for much longer. You know, I've, I've definitely am well aware of the fact that I have put myself in a very, very busy schedule for 2012. And I think for anybody who cares about politics and really wants to invest their time in it, that's going to be the truth. There's just so much at stake in this election, whether it's the people running for office or the issues on the ballot or just, you know, trying to get people to be a part of it, you know, for me, it's all about getting young people to engage in 2012, and I think that there's a whole lot for them to really value and for really to take a piece of in 2012. So uh, it's going to be very, very busy, and 
Yeah, I don't know about free time. If I find, <laughs> if I find any, uh, maybe I'll take a nap or something. Well, that'd be fun. Um, so, and I guess this is, how often are you coordinating with other campaigns and, and helping them? I mean, not only the national campaigns with John Tester, but um, the statewide campaigns, uh, the Lambert seats, but also the um, other Democrats in Missoula, Democrats throughout the state. How are you working with them? I mean, because now you're the uh, part of the old guard. <laughs> oh geez! So I think yeah, that I, means I am. Get you the mustache and the tall hat. So. <laughs> exactly. Can I get a monocle too? Oh, that'd be fun. Exactly. Now, now <laughs> I'm. But gonna, you're just speaking a German. I'm accent. gonna say Twitter's good now that I'm the old guard. Um, <laughs> you shall tweet, or you, you shall not be heard. <laughs> exactly. Um, I we talk all the time. I mean, the the local legislators here in Missoula. I mean, I'm in contact with all the other folks in the House and, and the people in the Senate, I mean, we chat all the time about how their campaigns are going, how mine's going, and we, we keep in touch with each other pretty regularly. You know, the, the statewide campaigns are, are real, real busy. Uh, I don't get to chat with them that much. You know, I, I love all of our statewide elected officials. I love Linda and Monica and Steve and Denise, uh, and, you know, of course, the, the governor as well. I, I think that they've done an incredible job, and it's always really exciting you know, when they come to Missoula for an event and I get to see him and, you know, we got to recently see Steve Bullock and I was really excited to see him and, you know, uh, Denise Juno, I think, could probably run for Queen of Missoula and, and win pretty handily. <laughs> I mean, she is so loved here and I, 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 just, I just love her so much. So I think that, you know, I, I don't get to chat with them that much because, you know, they're out doing very big things, running statewide campaigns in a very important year. But, you know, um, we, we try to keep in contact about how everything's going between everything else. Do you coordinate events, though? Or um, is there, like, the come out and meet all the Democrats in Missoula? We'll have statewide candidates, the local candidates, and even city official candidates or something. Yeah, sometimes the... I don't know why I'm speaking so loud. I should talk louder for the mic, but <laughs> I'll fix that. <laughs> I'll just start whispering from now on. <laughs> we'll, we'll just sneak in real close to the mic and we'll whisper. It'll, it'll be a great show. Everyone will love it. I think that... So I know. They're whispering this whole time. It's really awkward. Mm. Uh, I would say that sometimes the, the county Democrats would put on something like that. I mean, for the most part, everybody's kind of running their individual campaigns. You know, during the last campaign, I had a, a joint fundraiser with Ellie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every now and then, people do things like that. I, I think that maybe some of the new candidates that are running this time might do some sort of joint thing to get their names out there. But for the most part, people kind of do, you know, their own fundraisers, and we all kind of show up and turn out to support them each. But, you know, each one of us has an important race, and without each one of us winning... You know, that puts us behind for trying to get to a majority, so we all have to really kind of hunker down and make sure that we're responsible for each of our own districts. Right. So how big is your district? Uh, it's really, really big. It's, uh, I want to say it's, it's about 74 miles north to south, and I'm forgetting what the, the square footage is of, of it right now, but it's, it's really quite big. Uh, I mean, a I'll lot put of, up a link to the legislative map so that everybody can see where the districts are because that's important. Yeah, but I mean, the important thing about my district, and you know, something that I really think is cool about it, is that it is uh, all in Missoula County, but it's not just the city of Missoula that's encumbered in my district, like a number of other ones around Missoula. 
I've got the rattlesnake area of Missoula, and that includes the whole rattlesnake area. And then it goes, you know, north about 60 miles up to Sealy Lake, and then it goes north on top of that up to Condon, which if you were looking at a map, uh, Condon would be directly to the east of, like, Ronan. Hmm. So just south of Polson, you know. So it's, it, it stretches wow. up really far north. You know, especially for one of these western Montana districts that are usually a little bit smaller, especially for a district in Missoula. But I, I love that piece of it. I love that we've got really urban, we've got some really rural spots, and the issues are a little bit different. But just as I was saying with the divide between, you know, east and west, I, I think that there's, you know, a lot of us, there's a lot to agree between the rural and urban. Very cool. So what issues, uh, you fixed the voter form. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, what's your? Do you have a big issue that you're going in for this year? Or are you still working on that? Or? I'm still working on it. I mean, the the thing about these issues is that it's a long time between you know what I'm talking about now and what is going to be needed in January of 2013. And I mean, there's certainly different ideas and priorities. I mean, I could talk about the importance of education, the importance of you know, uh, renewable energy, the importance of our environment, um, making healthcare affordable, equal rights. I mean, any number of these things that really matter to me, but kind of delving into the specifics of what's going to be the hot button issues, what's going to be possible to do in January of 2013 is going to be a very different story. Yeah, I got a piece of dust in my eye or something. He was crying. He was I'm having a little leafy moment. He was so moved by my listing of (laughs) topic areas. Yes. Uh, Well, I think they are good topics. Uh, You know, equality is a big one in the state. We're seeing a lot of changes uh, nationwide with equality. In fact, just yesterday, Maryland voted. Yes. Um, So uh, So marriage equality has entered Maryland. Yeah. You know, good morning, Baltimore. I'd sing the song. But, uh, I love that song. I do, too. Uh, So there's... That that's happening, you know, New York passed last year, uh, mm-hmm. and they can't have a referendum. Washington passed, they can mm-hmm. have a referendum. I don't know if they're going to get the referendum. And then Maine, of all places, and I've lived in Maine, love Maine, mm-hmm. um, when, uh, I guess was it uh, issue one? or I think, yeah, I think it was issue one. Issue one, and then it became a referendum in the state voted down marriage after the legislature had said yes. Uh-huh. And then the marriage equality people have gotten, I guess they got twice as many signatures as they needed to get it on the ballot this year. And it looks like 73% of the voters in Maine agree that it should happen, which is an amazing well, growth because yeah. it went from, it was literally a 51-49 split when they lost it. Uh-huh. And now it's, you know, it looks like it's not even close. Which I hope that's true. It's just amazing it's going to happen. Um, it's amazing that they got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. So all of that is changing. And we have a constitutional amendment. We do. Uh, and the process, I am... Uh, it's so bad. I haven't checked out the process on this, but to change a constitutional amendment in Montana, what is the process? I I'm believe... you on the spot for this. I believe, <laughs> and I'm not a lawyer here, but my understanding of the process is we would have to have another ballot referenda, another constitutional initiative go on the ballot to remove that from the Constitution. So, but it can't start the legislature. Uh, yes, uh, yes it could. Very good point. Look at you. So astute. So astute about the process. Yeah, um, it would have to go, uh, well not it wouldn't have to go, uh, but it could possibly go through the legislative process. 
where but it still has to be voted on. By the it would still have to be voted on, and I think that the way that I think it's two thirds to get a to get a constitutional initiative on the ballot, you need two thirds uh, between both chambers. So essentially, you don't have to get it. Uh, in you know, both two, exactly, but if you have like a blowout in the House and you barely squeak it by in the Senate and it's still two thirds, essentially you need a hundred votes out of the hundred and fifty that are going to be cast. And last time, very luckily, we were a few votes shy of them being able to do that, which was very helpful because we stuck strong and the folks in the Senate stuck strong, and that's how a bunch of terrible constitutional initiatives to get on the ballot. Uh, getting regular uh, initiatives on the ballot, statutory initiatives, only takes majority votes. And right. as you can see, they put about eight of those on the ballot. Yeah, and you'll get to see those. And you know, when you read them, don't let your eyes cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be a long ballot. It is. It's, uh, and, you know, well, the post office shouldn't be going broke. When <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. Mail-in voting is going to save the post office. Um, so we have, uh, you know, obviously Montana has... Uh, tends to be a receiver state. We get a lot of federal money in yeah. there for the amount of money that we put out. Um, but we have a bunch of people who think that we should cut off the federal government from anything that happens in the state, which I know is always awkward. Um, uh-huh. how, is it, how are you going to be dealing with the uh, cuts to funding for different programs that are going on that are important, plus dealing with the, uh, the people who don't understand Basically, that money doesn't just appear on trees in Montana. Apparently, mm-hmm. you know, how is it that you get around that or educate them, or or, or do you, or do you just you know try to stand tall and let them blargle? <laughs> blargle. Um, I I I think that there is definitely some education to be done because I think that it's easy to be frustrated with the federal government. I mean, things move slowly things move backwards it's there's a lot of problems that people see coming out of federal government and I don't blame them I mean I have plenty of frustrations with stuff that we see coming out of you know uh, Congress or out of the administration or or anything I mean um, but I think that the reality for Montana is that we get back a lot more tax dollars than we put in and Montana very much relies on that to continue to survive I mean, when it comes to education funding, funding for our highways, funding for any number of our healthcare programs, our, uh, oh my God, any number of things, over and over and over. I mean, Montana relies on these programs for people to get their basic needs met. And we have to let people know that it's not just this fun thing of like, oh, the government, let's bash it. Let's just say, you know, screw you, we're not going to take any of your money. Like, there's real consequences to that. I mean, I, there was a bill in the legislature that would have said that Montana's not going to enforce the Endangered Species Act anymore, which is insane. But wh- Yes, we're not going to listen to anything you say out of Washington. We're going exactly. To fingers we're gonna... in our ears and stand in the corner. Exactly. So, I mean, our, our fiscal analyst did the, the study on that of what would happen, and they said that if we were to pass that and that became law in Montana we would lose over a billion dollars from the federal government because, as it turns out, they really like it when you enforce their laws. Yeah, and we've had a hard time with the learning. That's a good example, but an even better one is everybody knows that in Montana you used to be able to drive whatever speed you wanted during the day. There was no speed limit. Yeah. Uh, the reason for that is because 
the way the federal government passed the law to get speed limits put into place didn't affect us. And until they changed the way the funding was going to happen for the freeways and said, if you don't pass these laws, you won't get the funding and you'll have to take care of the freeways yourself. And we took a couple years, but then we realized once you have the string of potholes connecting Missoula to Helena, it's kind of hard to get around. Yeah. So we passed the law so we could get some funding. Um, we have a, a, a very long uh, history of defiance. Same thing with uh, with the drinking age. I mean, moving it up to, to 21. Yeah, I, I was actually... Was relying on federal funds. Yeah, I was 15 when that happened. That was a bummer day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. So I had friends that were 18, and they were grandfathered in, and then friends that were 17... You know, a week later. I didn't know that people got grandfathered in. Yeah, so that was the big thing. That was the big uh, compromise that they made to get that passed, was that grandfathered people that were old enough at the time that the law changed to be able to drink. So there was this whole... There's mm. basically a three-year period where if you were 18 and didn't have your ID, you could still drink because nobody, everybody just assumed you were grandfathered in. So hmm. it was very bizarre. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, and I wonder about that for the open container law. I, I don't know why that passed. I, I get irritated with that one. Mm-hmm. All over the place, but anyway, I'm not here to put you on the spot with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would tend to say I'd probably disagree with you on that one. I mean, it's it's common sense to me that you know drinking and driving is such an epic issue. I, I'm not night. talking about drinking and driving, and I and I know you can't like, walk home with a drink. Oh, I thought you said um, open container law stops you from walking. Home yeah, that's drink. true. I mean, I was mostly talking about uh, in a car. I mean, right. I don't think you should be allowed to have an open container in a car as a driver. Mm-hmm. You know, your drunk friends are in the back drinking. Out. But, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot for this because this is a contentious debate that people mm-hmm. have all the time. But, you know, I really do think that if you could walk home with a beer, you're far less likely to get into your car. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let me, uh, for, for the record, uh, if people are going to hear this, let me just say that I, I, you know, was very proud of all the votes that I made during the last uh, legislature to increase, you know, the penalties and the way that we. Uh, deal with people who are convicted of drinking and driving because it's become a very big issue in our state. It, so, it is a big issue, and it's a it's a, it's a tough issue. And issue. it's and I'm not saying that those votes were wrong, and by any means, because I, I believe that anybody who's drinking and driving, uh, you're a fool. You, you know, Absolutely, you, you've you've made a very public decision to go out and endanger other people. Um, that and that's idea. what people don't realize is like a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm just endangering myself if I jump into a car, and that's. Yeah as stupid as stupid can be. I mean, so often is the case that you hear about somebody gets in a car wreck because they were drinking and driving and the other person gets killed and the drunk driver doesn't. Right. I mean, I, I don't want anybody to die, but, you know, you're really putting other people's lives into their hand, you know, into your hands when you do that. And that's a pretty reprehensible thing to do. Right. And But the other side of, or at least the side of the argument that I see is that you force more people into cars when you don't let them have a beer to walk home. If you, that's my take on it. I think that we could, if you can approach any of these discussions as an adult, I think we'll probably get farther. Unfortunately, you were uh, having these discussions with a cranky child in a lot of cases. So you ended up with, uh, was it, it was Alan Hale, right? Yeah. That, That lost it on the floor about how we're ruining the way of life. Well, if the way of life is death, okay, we're going to ruin it. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So there were a lot of, uh, Contentious issues, obviously, and and, and uh, Montana's defiance towards the federal government is very interesting. And then we had the branding ceremony, which yeah. was kind of fun. Yeah, it was. I I only saw the very tail end of it because we were in floor session, but I saw the 
the boards all stacked up afterwards. And uh, thankful for that? Very thankful. There was a lot of bills on there that needed to die a quick death. And I am glad that they met their end. I mean, <laughs> a fiery sign of leech mining, like I mentioned before, trying to bring that back. Montana voters resoundingly said, let's not put cyanide in our rivers. Crazy thought. Uh, and the governor vetoed that. The governor vetoed the bill to get rid of same and late uh, voter registration, which I was thrilled about. I got my picture taken with that one because uh, it was an awful, 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 awful bill. And what, what exactly was it going to do? Uh, right now, Montanans uh, have the ability, uh, like, if, if I'm out there registering people to vote with my little clipboard, I can get people registered to vote as a as an kind of outside party up until 30 days before the election. And that used to be the end. Like, if you weren't registered to vote 30 days before the election, you were out of luck. Um, what we did uh, a number of years ago was first say, you can have late registration. You can go to the courthouse after that date. You can still register up until the day before Election Day. And then we change it to where you can actually register on Election Day. So essentially, we've regranted people that 30-day window. So even if you aren't registered all the way up to the day of voting, you can register and vote on the same day, making it much more accessible to people. A lot of people who are really busy, single moms come to mind, who didn't have the time to run to the courthouse to get registered to vote, but if they can go on election day, register, and vote at the same time, uh, that makes them able to exercise in their democracy, and that's fantastic in my mind. Very cool. And uh, the cyanide leaching, mm -hmm. isn't that what caused the Berkeley pit? No, that, that's a common misconception, um, but I mean, the Berkeley pit is it's, its own sort of mess uh, in a lot of ways. Cyanide leach mining uh, is responsible for things like uh, the Zorman Landusky mines, uh, east of here. I mean, it, it, some of the pictures that you'll see coming out of that mine where, you know, the, the linings cracked or, you know, seepages got through and the cyanide they were using to mine gold, you know, snuck into the water supply and you see like people turning on their faucets and their water is orange and you see these little creeks in the woods that are yellow and orange. I mean, these people's water supply is ruined. I mean, people can't drink water there anymore. They have to ship water in just to survive. So Montanans, uh, a number of years ago, said this is not a good idea. Was it 91 or 94? Uh, I can't remember the specific date, but it was a number of years ago. They said, this is, this is not what we want. Like, this is, you know, there's plenty of other ways to mine that aren't contaminating our water, aren't destroying our environment, aren't completely you know, shutting down communities. So they outlawed it. In 2004, there was a ballot initiative trying to bring it back. Montanans once again said, no, <laughs> I thought we were pretty clear the first time. We don't want this. So they voted that down by about a 65-35 margin, uh, a huge number. And then, you know, and then somebody brings it up to the legislature and says, hey, why don't we have this again? And it's like, what clue aren't you getting? I mean, Montana's voted on this twice. Let me give you a cup of cyanide water, and you drink that, and yeah. in an hour we'll let you talk about this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Montana's were so clear on what they, they wanted in this. I mean, and it's one of those rare situations where not only do they vote once, but twice to say, no, we don't want cyanide leach mining in our state. Do the other kind of mining. Do the stuff that's safe. You know, Or safer. Safer, yeah. So... 
it, it boggles my mind that somebody would think that that was a good idea. But then again, they decided to go after all sorts of things that were passed by the people in 2010. Yeah. Or, so you're going into this, your eyes are wide open, you're going into this next legislature, and uh-huh. uh, what's next after the legislature? Because you've got two more terms that you can serve, yes? Uh, it would be three. Okay, so you can serve four terms in the House. Yeah. And then what? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll honestly tell you, I mean, I've, I've kind of taken my life, you know, year by year at best, but more likely month by month. You know, I... I don't really know what the, the future holds for me. I think that at some level I'll be in, involved in politics at some level just because I believe so firmly in the process. I believe it's you know the way that we can affect all issues. You know, I'm, I'm far from being a one-issue person. You know, I know a lot of people no, out I'm there that are... I'm a one-issue person at this point in my life. It's kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that really devout, you know, devote themselves... To I really care about the environment, or I really care about labor issues, or I really care about you know issue A, B, and C, and that's kind of their life's work. And those people are great advocates for their cause. I, you know, I'm somebody that cares about all these different issues, and I see how they interlock with each other. And you know, for me, I believe that instead of you know maybe having just this one protest on this one issue, why don't we elect good people who are going to be good voters on all these different issues? I mean, that's why I believe that working in electoral politics and getting people engaged in that process is really the way that all of us move forward. Very cool. So we're coming up on, oh, a little over an hour. Woo! 108. Nice. So uh, any other last thoughts that you want to let people know? or? Uh, it's It's been my pleasure yeah, we'll to, to have this, this conversation. I hope that other people will join in and, and come on the show. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited for the next legislature. I think that there's a lot left undone. I think that there's a lot still to do. Montanans deserve a lot better than what they got from last time, and I'm very optimistic about going back and actually addressing some of the needs of our state. Very cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. Again, everybody, this is Bryce Bennett out of House District... 92. 92. Ah. You'd think at some point I'd remember, I'd remember all 100 of them, but that's not the No, no, no uh, need. So uh, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, anybody who's out there listening, we will have links to his Twitter, his website, his Facebook. The website is Bryce Bennett, yes? Uh, BennettForHouse.com. BennettForHouse.com, Facebook.com slash Bryce Bennett, <laughs> at Bryce Bennett on Twitter. <laughs> and we will have the uh, <coughs> Act Blue page so you can send a donation, which is always appreciated by all of the candidates that are on the show. Well, by all candidates in general, but certainly by the ones that are on the show. And um, we'll also include uh, links to some of the mines and maps and whatnot so you can see what's going on in Montana. Awesome. Again, thanks for uh, joining us on the show. We'll see you next week. Bye. Take, take, boo.